Hello, and welcome to the Eastern Front. My name is Giselle Donnelly, and I'm a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. I'm joined today by... Julia Joja with the Middle East Institute and Georgetown University, and... Dalibor Rohash with AI. On our podcast, we talk about the many challenges to the European peace that have arisen along a line running from the Baltic Sea to the Black Sea, the Eastern Front, and about why these matter to the United States. Joining us today from Finland is Antti Zeppo, a longtime security consultant uh, and observer of um, the Nordic security scene, if I can create a phrase. If you enjoy this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks and welcome. Julia, can you get us started on this conversation today? Sure thing. I'm particularly thrilled to have um, Auntie joining us today. Last time I saw Auntie was when we were rowing in Berlin on the Wannsee, the infamous Wannsee. And let's just put it that way. We were with some friends in the same realm, security, looking at German strategic culture Let's just say we didn't manage all the time to row straight, slightly under the influence, but it was a lot of fun. Now, Auntie has been uh, my colleague or we were colleagues together in Berlin or actually in Potsdam with um, the Institute, the think tank of the German Armed Forces. And we were both looking at um, German strategic culture and European security policy. That's been now a few years, um, but Auntie has been doing some amazing work looking at um, Finnish strategic culture, and that's what we're um, primarily going to talk about today, how Finland has been getting to where it is today, to what extent this is a surprise, and how we can understand Finnish security policy as contributing to the region and perceiving of Russia. And to kick off the conversation, um, I still remember, and I think, Auntie, you quote that in your work too, um, that back in 2001, um, the president, the then president of Finland, Koivisto, I hope, I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name, um, was asked about Finn's national idea, uh, Finland's national idea. And he said, um, Finland's national idea is survival. A few years later, the defense minister, then defense minister of Finland, was asked about the security priorities of um, Finland or security challenges. And he said, uh, the top three security challenges to Finland are Russia, Russia, and Russia. And so with that, Auntie, I want to, or we want to ask you to kick off this conversation. To what extent is um, Finland's um, move a surprise um, to uh, want to join NATO? Um, and to what extent is that informed um, by Finland's long-standing um, perception of Russia as a threat. Oh, hello, everyone. Um, I'm really happy to join you in this, in this podcast. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, considering considering Koivisto's, uh, Koivisto's argument about about the like the like the core of Finnish defense identity has, has always been been survival, and it is is basically based based on. On the on the idea of small state realism and the way how, how, how Finland has approached small small state realism realism, which which has been sort of the unofficial 
Finnish foreign and security line for, for decades now, maybe maybe all the way from the end of end of World War II. And the cornerstones of which has have, have been military non-alignment and, and obviously strong and capable defense as a deterrent. And 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 then obviously the acceptance of geopolitical facts. I mean, we have a, like a 13 over 1300 kilometer border with Russia, and, and, and that's just geopolitical fact that that, that will not change. And, and so that that will will obviously always affect, have an impact on, on, our, on our deliberations on, on security and defense. But then also, also I mean, historically, the, the memory and lessons of, 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 in particular, the continuation war, I mean, the, from the war from 1941 onwards and, and Finland's alliance with, with Germany was fundamental for the post-war country and, it, and, and its uh, strategic culture. Uh, I mean, I would say that the that the so the inability of the international community and, and and Western powers in preventing the Soviet invasion led to the conclusion that the national interest should be about survival, and 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 this also, to me at least, explains the the continuity in Finnish security and defense policy after after the Cold War, uh, and and uh, we could also maybe argue that, that, that Finnish participation in international organizations and other cooperative activities has, has, has actually not changed the key doctrine of, of national defense, which is, as you, as you portray, is, 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 is based on survival. And in this sense, the, the small state identity is, is still deep, deeply rooted in, in, in Finnish strategic thought. I would argue that like in, in some sense, there is more continuity perhaps than meets the eye. I mean, Finland and Sweden, to, to varying extent, have been very close to 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 the transatlantic alliance yes, i think yes. there was finnish presence in 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 various nato missions in the past uh i think the the sort of military to military cooperation has deepened after 2014 for very understandable reasons and also the public opinion has been sort of shifting moving in that direction for for quite a while but i was going to ask you two questions which are sort of practical which mm. have to do with, with 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 the accession the first one is uh is, is whether you have any uh, thoughts about the timeline and process going ahead, given that this is a very different kind of accession from, from the ones we've seen before, where there were criteria to be met and membership action plans and all kinds of efforts mm, to yes, bring yeah. Eastern Europeans up to speed. Uh, do you foresee any hurdles down the road? I can think of you know some alliance members slow walking, the well, there's, there's ratification first, processes. First of all, we have to recognize that the Finnish Finnish Parliament is still debating the issue, mm-hmm. so it, it it's not out of the Finnish Parliament yet yet. And 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 the polls polls at the moment, I think, is is are around around 115 MPs are in favor, and we have like like our Parliament has 200 MPs, and I think it's a two thirds majority that is needed. But we are slowly moving in that direction, and 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 most of the MPs from the ruling party, the Social Democrats have not even told their told their view yet, but they, they will be supporting the membership. So so basically the only ones who, who will probably uh, uh, not be in favor of the membership is the is the is the leftist party in Finland. But they won't make it they won't make it as a, like a like a hurdle question in, in government. So they will allow the allow the the process to continue, but they will. Some of them will most likely vote against. Vote against. I was also wondering about the dynamics within the alliance going forward. So Hungary in the past has been, you know, doing all kinds of things to 
sort of mm. slow walk um, accession. Yeah, and Hungary has like... obviously been close to close to Russia as well, in in so, many so... respect many respects. But I but I but I would, I mean from 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 what I've 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 read and how I understood it, I I, I don't think that Hungary will 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 block if if ever if everyone else is going to vote in favor. I don't think Hungary I don't think Hungary wants to find itself in a position where where it blocks. Blocks not only Finnish membership, but 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 uh, but uh, uh, potentially and 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 most likely also Swedish membership at the same time. So, so my other practical question, if I may, very quickly, is uh, is is you know whether you are concerned about what happens between now uh, or the time of of mm. Finnish application to join and the actual accession in terms of Russian influence, Russian interference, gray zone warfare, or even, you know, worse, well, worse scenarios than that. Yeah, you know, I mean, before I, the I'm time, not... the Article 5 applies in its, yes, in its entirety. Yes. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not afraid and, and the Finns are not afraid. I mean, and this is not a, this is not a decision that is based on fear. We, we will not, we won't be joining NATO because we fear Russia. This is, this is more of a, like, like, like the 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 reasoning for finland to actually join nato is that is that is that at least that is that the situation would would actually change for us the least amount possible so and and there is there is like the 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 leadership of finland and and you know finnish scholars and and like the like the foreign and security policy community here do, does not see a, like a security gap for Finland at the moment. The security gap is not the reason why we why we're joining NATO, but it's but it but it's like one one scholar said. I believe that if if there's gonna be gonna be a new Iron Curtain in Europe, Finland wants to make sure that it's on the right side of the Iron Curtain. So so that that that's like one one of the reasons for it. And uh, I don't think that there is there is any. I mean, we obviously don't have any illusions regarding Russian aggression. But Finland has a really strong standing army, and 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 if we need to if we need to mobilize, the mobilization process is very quick, and we have almost three hundred thousand troops in arms, plus nine hundred thousand reservists if we need. And uh, and Finland has a really strong like anti-air capability. I think it's the third strongest in, in in europe and and we have the largest artillery in europe so 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 in the conventional warfare sense we are we are really well prepared and 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 we know that it's probably going to take place in the cyber realm what the russians are going to do i mean and then there's obviously uh, uh commentary from medvedev and, and others that that this will have like uh, a military technical repercussions but but, but <laughs> what does that mean he, he says that they will they will uh uh Sent nukes to the Baltics, but the, but they are all already there. I mean, I mean, what can they what can they do in that sense? We already know what they what they are threatening threatening us with. So so I don't think it's going to be a surprise to to anyone in that in in that sense. If I could uh, push you one more degree farther on sort of what's changed of late uh, to push Finland closer to uh, applying mm-hmm. to join NATO. But also, I think it would be useful to take a step back or two because uh, just I'm sure our American audience has not focused on the far north of Europe um, very much, or at least since the late uh, late years of the Cold War, and, and may uh, not really understand how um, uh, the balance of power across the region uh, uh, is really. Uh, 
plays itself out. So if I could ask you to maybe address both, like what what in the last you know year or so has has pushed Finland sort of beyond the threshold from independence and self-sufficiency toward reaching out to NATO? And how do you see the broad regional balance of power and security situation? Well, um, obviously, Finland, if, if what's what's perhaps one of the most astounding things is is the is the support among Finnish citizenry for NATO membership at the moment. It's it's almost I think it's it was 68 or 70 percent when it when when last year it was only like 21 or 22 percent. So it's a, so the difference is staggering in that sense. And then we m- might think what 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 has brought about aggression or do we yeah. have some other reasons for that mm-hmm. as well? So one of the obvious reasons is 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 the Russian aggression. I mean that that's that's pretty obvious. And I know and the realization that Russia is now much more willing to 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 take greater risk in its offensive operations. Like if 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 one thinks how and and how Russia has has uh, conducted its military operations in Ukraine, it, it's it's been pretty risky, and Russia has, has has suffered heavy heavy losses as well. So. So that that's like one of the maybe if you like a like a pragmatic issue for us that we we always want to know what the Russians are up to, so that that's the one thing. But but obviously obviously the 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 there's a balance of power aspect is is, is maybe also in, in in this context an interesting one because there's there's like been been also a long-standing Nordic defense cooperation Nordefco where the Baltic countries have been also involved and so that that is that is perhaps one of one of the the things that that the american audience is, is not necessarily so well aware that there is there that that, that, this, that this sort of, of cooperation has been ongoing well where the structures of of the cooperation are are, are in place but it is it is more or less like an in, informal cooperation where, where we talk about pressing security and defense policy matters and 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 maybe you could compare that in some ways to, to Finland uh, and to, to Finland's and, and, and Sweden's uh, participation in NATO's Partnership for Peace program. I mean, it, it has like similar elements, but it's more focused on the on the Nordic region. And and we are all also very interested in in I mean that that the that the that the permanent members of the of the of the cooperation are, are interested in in what the what the Baltic countries are thinking. About the about the balance of power and 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 there is obviously the sense that the Baltics have been have been maybe or the Baltic countries have 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 highlighted the Russian threat much more visibly than the Finns have in 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 during the last years and we have we have been you know trying as as trying to be function as as a sort of a, a, a sort of a uh, like a calming element in that sense, because because some many Finnish politicians have thought that that uh, that the Baltics have had a had a much too uh, aggressive stance towards Russia in in past years. But then again, now we see now we see what has happened. So so I think the Baltics Baltics Baltic countries have been have have been right to to highlight the highlight the the Russian threat in that in that sense. That's interesting that you say that because it um, segues nicely to something else that I, we I wanted to ask you, um, and that is 
the general lack of understanding for the term and the concept Finlandization um, mm. is, can you help us make sense of what that is from a Finnish perspective? Because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. We tend to use it in rather positive terms across particularly Western Europe when I understand for many Finns, it's not necessarily something positive. And to what extent that kind of neutral attitude has has maybe informed, um, as you were saying, f- um, some Finnish politicians to consider um, consider the Baltic countries' tone and, and in in essence, threat perception is exaggerated as um, as mm. emotional. Um, help us make sense of that. Well, yeah, I mean, Finlandization as, as a term is, is obviously it has is it, like you say it, it has its positive sides and and then then obviously also it's 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 negative 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 sides as well but 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 um i, I think that has definitely affected the way how how Finns see how Finns see, see the their security and, and and defense policy developing all the way from from the early cold war years and, and until let's say the, the 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 finnish eu membership in 1995 i think that is a watershed moment in that sense the week we can sort of sort of talk about the the, the end of an era in term, in terms of finlandization in that sense because because now nowadays we we can't really say that finland is is neutral and we actually and, and the Finns, if you if you if you ask the Finns what they think about neutrality, many Finns don't like the term because we haven't been politically neutral. We have been militarily non-aligned, but we haven't been, which is which is which is basically a diluted form of neutrality. But we haven't been politically neutral in a long time. And 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 the Finnish Finnish sense sense of self has always been oriented towards the West. And so, do you think it makes sense to think of? Uh, remnants of this neutrality as informing some Finnish um, politicians when it comes to how they have considered the Baltic threat assessment as being exaggerated. Well, I, I think that that is that is that is that has been part of the Finnish Finnish uh, uh, foreign and security policy identity in 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 many ways and 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 many would argue that it has served as well until now for the criticism toward toward the baltics i, I think that, that that is that is certainly a, a, a part of the a part of the explanation for that is that that the Finns would would or, or or some of the some of the some Finns would hope that that uh, that the baltics would would uh, would take a well let's not say real, more relaxed stance but, but 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 not not that not that aggressive stance toward russia I would like to throw actually both of you a little bit of a curveball in that um, one of the questions that makes Americans scratch their heads the most these days is what the heck is up with the Germans? Uh, You've both uh, (laughs) are familiar and have studied there, but by the same token, you hail from countries that are at least one or two steps from direct contact, uh, you know, so maybe you'll be less emotional than say the Poles, for example, might be. But be, as students of German strategic culture, I wonder, again, this is a question for you, Yulia, as well as, as Auntie, um, can you help us make sense of uh, um, not just where the Germans are, but where they might be headed? 
and to you, would you take this first? You're more diplomatic <laughs> okay, okay. than I. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting <laughs> well, both of you. misery, but it's a inquiring minds want to know moment. Well, this is this is a this is a very interesting time time for German strategic culture. I I, I, I would say, because because we have seen a few historical firsts in in the wake of the Ukraine war. I mean, I mean, there's no denying it. With the with the new government uh, uh, kind of pledging itself to to the two percent uh, target of, of of NATO defense spending, which, which is actually a, a, a huge issue. It's obviously not a, not all about money, but money helps. And um, and then also like the like the special funds that they have that they they try to create, which is which I believe they will kind of have to amend the German constitution a bit as well, so that they will make it kind of a repetitive repetitive thing. So far as I have understood, and and that is that is a big big thing because because we all know how 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 poorly uh, German Bundeswehr is doing right now, and they have they have they they can't even I mean. The, the West is wondering why why the Germans aren't sending any heavy right. weapons to Ukraine, but they don't have they they really like like the heavy weapons they do have they, they have like broken martyrs right yeah like a mar- martyrs and and, and 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 some of them are, are beyond repair is, is is what I understand and the and the and the old like like the like the leopard tanks they have they have like I don't know like like over two hundred leopard tanks but but most of them are, are from the seventies right. And and you can't really send them to to Ukraine because the Ukrainians don't know how to how to operate them, and then they need they need weapons urgently. And, and so so there's a there's a there's a lot of lot of moving parts in I, I've in, got that, in that sense. Right. But 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 if I, if I may, the, the, the big thing really is that that the Germans they have sent weapons to Ukraine, and that is that is that is that is a big thing because because it is it is a it is a it is a sea change from the previous policy which said that they wouldn't send weapons to 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 uh um to areas where there's war so to conflict to conflict areas so so that is a really big development in in, in that sense and uh and yeah i mean the the thing that they have now that the um german foreign minister is 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 is, is calling for like like this new national uh, uh, security strategy, which which Germans actually have never drafted. In, in they have white books, but they, they they don't have like a national security strategy, which would clearly articulate what what the German uh, security national interests are. What are the visions? What is the strategy? And, and that is pretty big deal if they, if they somehow manage to pull that off. And I, I'm still skeptical, but 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 like the steps the steps are there for them to 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 really make some some big changes there. That's that's my my assessment. Julia, you wanna wanna bite of that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I don't differ much from Auntie's um, Auntie's view in especially how he ended the note. That mm, I think, yeah, I'm skeptical, and <laughs> uh, and I think we tend to we have wrongly interpreted what Olaf Scholz um, uh, declared as Zeitenwende, this huge moment, watershed moment, in that German politics um, and change does not happen overnight. If it happens, it takes a long, long time. And so we rush to say, oh, it's something radically different. But, but it isn't. And I guess the one thing that 
Um, I think where I'm most skeptical about is how Germany, to me, the only change that can really occur deeply in German strategic culture cannot come from pressure from outside. We've tried it for decades, didn't really work that much. It comes from within. And so for change to happen from within, the Germans must um, realize um, and acknowledge more of their mistakes, even what we see now that to me smells like business interests and a lot, a lot of the chancellor's reluctance um, that um, on, on one side, but also their pretension um, and expectation from themselves and from the others that Auntie and I have had been working on, have been writing about, that Germany should assume, can assume, and will assume a leadership role within European security. And this is my biggest question. I don't, I think the Germans understood um, this role um, known as Ostpolitik in a sense that um, it was almost exclusively focused on Russia and the rest of what is in between was considered and still is flyover country. And um, in that, in return, um, reflects right now within this conflict, um, I think for many Central and Eastern Europeans that German leadership pretensions cannot be taken seriously and that German leadership in European security will just frankly not be accepted in Central and Eastern Europe. And that's something that I don't think the Germans realize yet. And I think they need to do that. Um, I mean, I, I totally agree. And I think it's very, very, very important what, what Julia just said about change coming coming from from the inside and not 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 externally. And that that is just something that 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 we we might have to have to accept but then there is also the issue that the germans have had to grapple with right now is is that they are basically funding putin's war by not by not by uh, by not uh, halting the the the, the yeah. oil yeah. the oil uh, oil shipments i mean they're they're debating about about getting off the getting off the Russian gas and and that will probably happen but but there's there, there's still like the the fundamental question of, of of whether Germany is capable of actually keeping the economic interests interests and 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 the security policy interests coherently together because the because the German policy has always been to try to kind of have two two policies even though they 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 affect the same. Or, or that they are they are in in essence the one and the same, but but the Germans have always thought that that they can have like distinct economic policy interests from their security policy interests, and as we have seen with Russia, that's just not the way how how it works. So well, so that's also, like again, it also seems to me that that um, the pace of events is is moving at a pace that's uncongenial for the reflective uh, German style of uh, thinking and negotiation and decision makings. I mean, let's set aside the question of German leadership. I, I must confess I'm more worried about German um, avoidance of leadership and sort of, mm. Uh, mm. you know, being being an, yeah. an anchor on things. They yeah, you know, we talked about you know the problem with Hungary, for example, and NATO. I'm wondering if the problem with Germany isn't really a 
much graver danger. Suppose that we, all right, let, let us suppose that the Finnish parliament does vote to apply to NATO and that that maybe pushes the Swedes a little bit farther forward and we get to a Barcelona summit in July. So I'm, I'm worried about Germany not keeping up with the rest of the, the alliance, not just Eastern Europeans, but also the United States and Great Britain. Um, and that I'm worried, for example, that if we get to a Barcelona summit, that either is a doesn't move things forward or actually mm -hmm. move them, you know, pushes them farther into the future, you know, where the Germans say, let's do a whole usual NATO accession, uh, you know, <laughs> proctological exam on the, the people who want to join um, that takes years and years. Um, you know, I'm not sure that, that, that the rest of the alliance or the, the United States um, has the patience for that. And as to mm. the question of external pressure, you know, that much of the impetus for NATO expansion that drove it through did come from the United States um, in the wake of the, the Cold War, where perhaps, I mean, and, and finally, the situation has changed much from then to now in the sense that there is a palpable, acute, present uh, danger from from the Russians that didn't exist 20 years ago. So, you know, an, an alliance that doesn't move forward and respond to the, to the moment um, is, is very worrisome to me. And the habits of, you know, sort of extensive collaboration analysis, you know, waiting for the Germans to catch up with other people mm. uh, could be bad yeah. for, for the other. And then if I were a, a Finn, and, you know, I had to wait for the green light from Berlin. I might get a little, you know, mm. a little upset. Sorry for the lecture in the form of a no, question. No. <laughs> no, pro no problem. No problem. I can sum it up. How worried are you about a German veto? <laughs> well, I, uh, no, I'm I'm more worried about them than I am about the Hungarians. Let's put it that way. It, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm 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 pretty sure that the that the Germans will support Finnish Finnish NATO a bit wholeheartedly. I don't think that there's going to be any 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 problem. But then I don't. I'm I'm actually unfamiliar with with how 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 good how good how good the relations between between the Hungarian and Finnish governments are at the moment. I mean, they they they, they they've they've usually been pretty tension free. Given that we we have, we have like this 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 uh, this this common uh, uh, cultural background, and it, it it has it has been an alleviating factor in in in, in these in these sort of things usually, but uh, but well, I, I just don't know what the, what the Hungarian position is at the moment because because. We also heard from Croatia right now. I think it was the Croatia, was it the Croatian president, or, or who was it? Was it who, who, who argued that, who argued against the Finnish membership? And that was was it yesterday? So, so I mean, there are still some hurdles that that need to be overcome. But but I but I, but but I still think that if 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 the majority and the majority will, I, I believe, support Finnish and and Swedish. NATO membership. So I, I think that the, that the, that the ones who 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 have some reservations will budge in the end. That's that's my interpretation. 
So Auntie, be- before you go, maybe one last question. I know you wrote about this and I'm I'm wondering how you see it in the current context of Finland debating NATO membership, and that's anti-Americanism. Um, mm. You talked about anti-Americanism as having a prevailing effect in different times of, um, of Finnish um, uh, modern history over the last few decades in different contexts. And I wonder to what extent um, that is being alleviated um, with um, the debates around NATO membership and to what extent you would link this spectacular rise in public opinion support for NATO membership with different public perceptions vis-a-vis the United States. Mm. Will you still love us if Donald Trump becomes president again? <laughs> if I may tie that to our earlier discussion on strategic culture, There's like this. There, there's an. There are accounts on 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 like historical accounts on on Finnish strategic culture that go way back into the 18th century, and and there the central idea is is this sort of idea of an anti-hegemony in Europe, which which is which is quite central to early Finnish strategic thought, and maybe maybe it it, it somehow narratively ties in, in into the idea of an anti-American. I mean I mean there's also like anti and there. I mean, some people, some people in Finland are, are, are still pretty anti-Russian, but that's not necessarily, that doesn't mean that we're against Russian people, we're against the Russian state. So that is, that is, there is, I mean, there are those both, both uh, uh, um, lines of thought still existing, but I would say that these days, I mean, you don't really, I mean, people don't say, I mean, Finnish people don't, don't consider themselves as being anti-American. I mean, maybe, maybe some of the, maybe some of the people who are really, leaning on the left, who are really on the left, they, they might be, or maybe they're like anti-NATO. NATO. I mean, it's, it's not perhaps anti-Americanism, it, it, it's more anti-NATO. But, 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 I think, but I think that the idea, I mean, maybe, it, maybe it's, 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 uh, it's this somehow subconscious idea that, that, we, that as a small state, we have to kind of maintain this equidistance between great powers. And, and that also brings with itself these anti-sentiments in, in a way. Maybe maybe there's there's some sort of an explanation to be found found there as well. If I, can I ask a quick follow up? I mean, uh, and I don't know if this, this. I mean, it's pure speculation on my part, but my impression is is that um, Finland has, you know, at least by the standards of the last couple of decades, enjoyed pretty good economic growth and increasing integration into the international economy. I wonder whether that background effect may have shifted attitudes. That's definitely uh, part part of it. Yes, yes. The standard of living has has risen risen uh, considerably ever since the the Finnish EU membership. I mean, there's no denying that. Even even those people who are against the EU, and there are quite a quite a many people of of them of, of those two also in the in the in the Finnish parliament these days. They, they, they also. I mean, everybody basically has to accept the fact that 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 that's the case. That the standard of living has risen because we are now part of the global economy, and and the Finnish economy has always been like really export oriented. So, so mm-hmm. when when whenever the ex, whenever there's there's like good markets for the exports, then the Finnish economy is on the rise, and 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 so that's also also an area of the market where 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 we have 
seen seen a, seen a drastic rise in in like in, in the last 20 years i mean if, if you look at how the exports from finland and, and also like high-tech products and stuff have risen it, it uh and, and and like global companies such as nokia and and, and what have you i mean they have played a big role in in, in the rise of finnish economy Well, I would just like to conclude by saying that if Twitter memes are any indicator, <laughs> there is definitely a market for f- Finnish snipers uh, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in Western Europe. So um, uh, thank you so much, Auntie, for your time. Um, and thank you. Thank all you. of us on, the, on this podcast uh, are very hopeful about the prospects for uh, NATO or Finnish accession. Uh, We're thrilled to have you in NATO. It's a, it's a oh, great thank you. Club. Thank you. Love it. Yeah, they yeah they say that they say that it's a win win, and I, I I tend to agree with that. <laughs> uh, we need all the help we can get. And, yeah. uh, you, yeah. look, you guys look like tough cut. Well, maybe one more thing. One more thing. I, I think that it, oh, it is, sure. it is it's also because because you talked about Sweden, Sweden too. So so for us, yeah. it is it is it is very important actually that that we apply at the same time. Because because then there's the there is the there's this I mean I wouldn't say the fear but maybe a concern among some Finnish Finnish politicians who are who are not openly maybe yet in favor of NATO membership that if if Sweden doesn't apply at the same time then it it may sort of sort of uh, bring Finland into the position of being the fourth Baltic country where we where we would be would be yeah. kind of le- left to defend defend the Baltics by ourselves. So so that that is that is one reason why it's why it's very important for us that that the Swedes apply at the same time. Do you think that would be a pacing item for Finland? Um, If the Swedes are I, not, you know, I, I don't, I, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. But 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 realistically, I I I, I mean, obviously the the politicians and the Finnish leader says that Finland decides on its own security matters as, as a sovereign nation but 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 that, that's just you know political discourse I think I think that the bottom line is that that for both actually for both both I mean for the Swedes as well that we apply together and 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 that that's that's I believe also what the, what the U.S. has hoped that that we would uh, apply together because it would obviously send up much stronger signal to the russians that you know we are we are united in this in this effort and, and well that'll be our next show we'll have a suite on and yeah. <laughs> we'll nudge them we'll nudge the them towards here. it <laughs> thank you auntie one more time for joining thanks us thanks a lot from me giselle donnelly and yulia joja and dalibur thank you so much for listening to the eastern front Our podcast is dedicated to the security challenges rising along the line from the Baltic Sea to the Black Sea. You can find more episodes and additional content on our website at aei.org or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Please be in touch with us on Twitter using the hashtag EasternFrontPod, that's one word. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. Thanks for joining us, and goodbye until next time.